You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Let's just say that it could cause Molly to start smoking. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Lack of days ago on both ends of the floor. Um, we didn't take anything away from them. They got whatever shot that they wanted, whether it be a three, a layup, a free throw line. Um, that, and whenever that happens, they score 50 points in a quarter. All right, I'm going to admit something. And, and by the way, Wolves Vent Lines are open right now. If you want to chime in, Wolves Vent Lines are open. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. I would be shocked if they won that game tonight. I feel like the third quarter was the end of the series. Like, halftime, man, it's a close game. I was hoping it was. Just call it. After three, it's done. Yeah. It's done. The it, fighter's it, down. It felt it's like, a 10 count. It felt like the end of the series as they walk back on yes. the court for the fourth quarter. Now they have to go back to Houston here tonight, and you have to wait till 8.30 tonight. But I'm going to play you a clip, and I saw this. I, I watched the entire Sixers game last night where they basically throttled the Miami Heat. That game was never really in question. They win that series in five games. And the Sixers go from being the worst team in the NBA and a laughing stock for five, what, like five years and now they've broken through with this emerging group of young stars with a couple veterans sprinkled in. J.J. Redick has been a perfect addition to that team. And I listened to the coach, Brett Brown, who's been there for five years and even coached and was maintained through a 10-win season mm-hmm. like two or three years ago. And they stuck to it. They didn't skip any steps. I mean, the Wolves, let's be honest, the Wolves skipped steps to get that they said, we're going we're gonna to trade away Young pieces, we're going to bring in Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson and see where this thing goes. And my worry was, like, I'm I'm for it. It's fun. All right, the team gets instantly better, and Jimmy Butler's an amazing player to watch. But are you getting, are you peaking at a point where you're not going to be able to get past the Rockets and Warriors, and by the time, like, you start to come back down the hill, they're still above you, and they come down the hill with you. Yep. So, anyways, all of this was going through my head, and I'm listening to Brett Brown, the Sixers coach in the locker room last night, and just had this overwhelming feeling of jealousy on behalf of Wolves fans. Like, look at this team right now. They play with joy. Their coach is so much different personality-wise than his team, and this is just a part of his post-game locker room speech to the Sixers after they clinched their first playoff series win in, like, well, not that long, like six years. Oh, my God! Congrats on your first career playoff victory. Playoff series victory, man. They've got a they've got a small like mock Liberty Bell, Philadelphia Liberty Bell, and and Brett Brown will present the Liberty Bell to players after games, and he presented it originally to JJ Redick, and Redick turned it around and said, "No, this is you grinded through this thing, you know, this is your first playoff series win. You ring you know ring the damn bell, and that so just the sound of that it was it was it was this mission that they had all stuck to for five or six years with the same coach. Mm -hmm. And it's very obvious. They all love playing with each other and it's this joyous occasion. And I can just, 
never imagine that being the vibe in the you Timberwolves locker room. You don't think Tibbs could get that? I can never imagine go it. Go Timberwolves. God. Way to go, Timberwolves. Here's where I'll I'll say that this is really sad. This team has made the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. And you think about the, the discussions. And by the way, we are not ha- having these discussions through things that, that we have heard or were, were trying to speculate. The owner's going on a station and talking openly about the coach's future and evaluating the coach. The star player's agent is talking to the Pioneer Press and is, and essentially spelling out for you why the star player is not satisfied and or happy. And you think about this, and this feels like the Wolves have been in this grind in the playoffs for like five years, and it hasn't worked, but it's one year. You're back in the playoffs, and listen, this organization's had some bad luck. They've had more stops and starts. I get all that. But really, when when they lose tonight's game, it should be like, uh, okay, you know what? That's a step. That you you were unfortunately an eight seed and you played the one seed and they're really, really good and you lost that game. But this was an, an important step in where this team is going. And instead we are having a conversation that I think in some ways is as is as filled with consternation and depressing as the wild, which has been in the playoffs for six years. Mm-hmm. This isn't like a one year you got back finally. This is this conversation feels like we're talking about a team that's been grinding its gears and been in the playoffs for five or six years. Yeah, think about that. I thought some of the stuff we talked about in the first hour and a half of the show, and and you know Dookie added some layers too. Just that, like Tom Thibodeau, and and his, some of this like Dookie was telling us some stuff off the air that's like a, like it wasn't wasn't quite like baked enough to. To throw out there, he learned his lesson a little bit in that Bleacher Report escapade. Where, but it's just because they picked it up and ran with it. Yeah, I don't think the consternation stems from the result, like you're saying. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, yeah, would we like them to have won more games, and maybe they would have if Jimmy Butler hadn't gotten injured. The consternation is about the process, which is where you now look forward to. Okay. Is what they're doing right now with the pieces they have something that you feel like is going to continue on an upward trajectory for like the next two or three years to a point where you can ride out what the Rockets and Warriors are doing and then be that team that takes over? Kind of like the Sixers are poised to do because LeBron James is going to leave Cleveland. And even if he like even if he were to stick with Cleveland, at some point, LeBron James, this machine since 2003, age is going to win. And he's 33 years old. And the Sixers are right there. Like, they are the team that's going to take over in the Eastern Conference, and they're going to be that team for, I don't know, a five-year window. Remains to be seen if they're championship good. And I think the hope when Flip Saunders took over initially and they landed Andrew Wiggins and they drafted Zach Levine and Carl Anthony Towns was that you could spend two, three, four years sort of baking, slow cook it, crockpot this team, let the Rockets with Chris Paul and James Harden, who are in their prime, let them do their thing for two or three years. Now, you can still make the playoffs while this happens, which you know they did this year. Let the Warriors fade out. Let Kevin Durant turn 32-33 and Steph Curry. Let him, let him keep breaking his ankles. And then you'd be ready to take that torch. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if those teams continue to win this year and then next year, Jimmy Butler's not under contract. Taj Gibson is going to be well into his 30s. Uh, yeah, he's going to just break down here very I mean, soon, I think. Like this is where you start it's it's not about the result. You're thinking about the current process and where it might lead you to. 
And then you look at Tom Thibodeau and the fact that he just, I hate it when people put Tom Thibodeau and Greg Popovich in the same sentence to defend Thibodeau's style. Like, well, I mean, Popovich is not the same at all. Like Popovich is a human and Popovich shows human qualities and shows the ability to empathize with people. I mean, he's rough around the edges externally, but he's obviously a connector of people behind the scenes in San Antonio. This entire thing feels miserable. It really does. It feels like the Wolves have been at this same thing for five years. You're back in in the playoffs. That should be a selling point. And instead, it feels like everyone's saying, well, yeah, so what? So I, I expected more. The entire process of this season, in so many ways, feels miserable. 651 646 8255. Wolves vent lines are open right now. Hey, Peter. Good morning. Judd, the reason people are so miserable yeah. is they, they see that there's that the Wolves gave up three number one picks Dunn, Levine, and Markinen for this guy that's, that's got one year left on the contract with big money. Taylor has backed himself into a corner. If he doesn't re sign Butler for big money, if he if he if he fires Thibodeau, he's not going to get Butler back, and he's painting himself right into a big fat corner, and he can't get out of it. And right now, the Wolves are stuck in the middle where they don't want to be. What you want to do is what Philly did: bottom out for a number of years, take the pain, and now be in a position where you can really take over. Well, and the Wolves did bottom out for a number of years, and and they had the same type of blueprint going with the young core. But like like you said, Peter, they expedited the process. And they traded a bunch of future pieces for a current piece in Jimmy Butler. And I would, I'll flip this around. I'll ask you this. Jimmy Butler's 29 years old, knee surgery. He's super banged up. And Tom Thibodeau players have a history of absolutely hitting a wall around this age. And, and he right. is, you know, he's, he's led the NBA in minutes per game for like the last five years. How comfortable would you feel if Jimmy Butler signed a five year contract until age 34 at like 25 or $30 million a year in a salary cap league? That scares me, too. Yes, it does. That's exactly right, because they'd still be stuck in the middle. And in that marketing trade, the, the pick they got, this uh, uh, Patton, now he's had a second foot surgery. Do you know how, how, how problematic foot surgeries are in the NBA, foot and knees? Yeah, very. And that's his second surgery, and he hasn't even played yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing, the thing, it was a terrible trade. They should have hung in there taken Markkanen, bided their time, and they'd be much further ahead, guys. Yeah, that's but, a, Peter, that's a good call. But it, it's a good point, but they wouldn't be because Tibbs wanted – Tibbs' plan, I think, from day one was was to tell Glenn, I'm expediting the process, and, and here's how. If he, had, if he could have traded R- Ricky a year ago, June, he would have. He would have made that Butler trade before y- year one. So, so Peter's point is a good one if you have a coach with patience, but there's no patience here. So the plan was always to come in. Tibbs's grand plan, like it or not, is to expedite the process by grinding the players that he likes down to a nub. And that's it. That's going to be his plan. And to go back to what we've discussed before and where I made a big mistake was in saying this is a good idea for one guy to run all sides. In retrospect, that was a stupid... It was stupid of me to go against what I know which is at least if Tibbs had an immediate basketball boss, that guy could go to Tibbs and say, Tom, what what's going on here? And Tom might not like it, and he might quit, and they might get in a screaming match, but at least he could question him. What you have now is 
You have Tibbs as president of basketball ops and coach. And guess what? The owner's frustration is he doesn't understand how Tibbs operates. This has really very little to do with basketball, I think. I think what Glenn what Glenn is saying is, what's your deal, buddy? Well, all right. That's a starting point that the, the answer would, would have hopefully come before Tibbs got hired. But as far as the actual basketball operation, I guess my question is, who who has the ability to sit Tom down and say, this plan doesn't necessarily work? And the answer is nobody. Yeah. This is all very uplifting. It's really interesting. <laughs> and I was, I, I really, I really all fought right, myself. <laughs> I never should have said it was a good idea for someone to run the entire thing because I know okay. it's not. Okay. Don't be so hard on yourself. No, it was a stupid. You swing. You're on, you're on four hours a day. You're going to swing and miss once in a while. I know, but guy. I'm the guy that watched okay. Brad Childress <laughs> so handle the 53 man <laughs> roster and said, "I will never endorse this idea again. It's stupid." And then it was, "Oh, this is great. They hired Tibbs. I think this is fantastic." I'm an idiot. Judd sometimes. feels so down on himself right now. It was Dave. just an idiotic opinion to change it. I agree. I agree. That was pretty stupid. It was really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Hey, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'm going to say I'm wrong. Sometimes. <laughs> Well, I don't think I'm wrong a lot of times. Mackie and Judd are back. Audio level full volume. It's your time. On 1500 ESPN. You know, everybody in the mock world and the experts out there are saying it's O-line, O-line, O-line. But when you look at your roster, you have to look at, okay, where are some other holes that you're going to have to fill? And if you look at, you know, that's why I'm looking at the 2019 roster as well. Guys who are not under contract, uh, what if there's a significant player that's there at 30 that could potentially fill a need, you know, may have a role this year, but definitely fill a need in the future. I mean, I'm looking at 2023. Which, which rosters are you guys examining right now? you know. Dave, you? Which roster are you checking out? I actually go back. I'm still on 95. 95? But I'm working my way up. Okay, yeah. so you're looking, okay. Yeah, I'm almost to 98. We're about to get Randy. It's going to get real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to draft good football players is what you want to draft. And and that's what we're going to do. <laughs> All right, let's continue our tour through the Rick Spielman pre-draft press conference here. Mm. Let's attempt to decode what Rick Spielman really meant to say. All right? I mean, All he's... Right. he's yeah. He's definitely filling space for like a half hour. Yes. And he's telling you things and a lot of it's propaganda. It's like he wanted he wanted the rest of the NFL to know. You know the trade thing. I know everybody talks about wanting to trade up, trade down. There's always I've had four calls over the last two days. I mean, I'm going to I love how he gives the specifics. Yeah. Not I've made four calls. Yeah. I've had four calls and it's four meaning co- that it's, our pick is in demand. It's four not five. Yeah. Could be maybe it's three. Maybe he's lying. Maybe he's inflating it. All right, this is. Let's just play some of these, and then uh, we can we can react. I've hammered so so many different scenarios over the last three days. I mean, I can't tell you all weekend how much film we watched and how many scenarios are put ourselves in. Not only in at thirty, but if we trade back, and these players are available, <laughs> are we just as happy with getting one of these players and another pick? Uh, you know, we went through scenarios through the. Bottom of the second, bottom of the third round right now. All right. All right, put your decoding right. hat on. My decoding, my decoding hat says the only, so in that whole thing, the only thing that I hear is I'm trading back, yeah. which he mentions, but that's the only thing. I agree with I that. I would focus on that. I would focus on the fact that almost everything he says is I'm going to make a trade and it's going to be back. And it's it's ten draft picks that he loves to have, right? That it's correct. He feels most comfortable with ten. You get seven in a traditional year, and then like 
you know, if you trade them or if you get a comp pick. So I think they have eight. Yeah, pretty sure they, they have, have eight a, draft picks. They have a couple comp picks for sure. So if he were able, if, if he were to trade back, he would get he would get at least one extra pick and maybe even a second one, depending on how far or how desperate. What could get interesting is if a quarterback falls late to the first round that teams like, mm-hmm. kind of like when Teddy Bridgewater fell in that draft. I mean, if a Lamar Jackson falls deep into the first round, or you know, I don't know if like Baker Mayfield would fall that far. And all of a sudden, now a team says, wait a second, all right, well, I guess we didn't know they were going to be available again late in the first round. That's where you could get a desperate team popping up. All right, let's try this one here. Mike Remmers gives us some flexibility uh, to go either direction if we do go offensive line. Uh, if you go with an interior player, then Mike Remmers, we feel, is, is, can play right tackle for us, and, we can hit, and he can play at a winning level. Um, if we go tackle... Mike Renemers can slide inside a guard like he had to during the playoffs, and he played winning football at guard. I can sum that 24-second soundbite up into uh, into basically like one sentence. Offensive linemen are flexible. Yep. Yeah, I I would agree, and I would also I, I would also say by actually talking about moving him potentially from tackle to guard, that, that means that they're going to draft a guard and not move him. I think that okay. that's. I, I, okay. I think I, I think it's really? smoke, yes. I think what he's saying. I think what he's. I think what he's saying is. I want you to believe I. I could take a guard and tackle, and I think that comment is lying for the sake of practicing. Like it doesn't matter. So I think he's lying. It's to like pra- batting. It's like batting practice. Exactly. Right? So I think he is. And and once again, sports lying. So it's no big deal. I'm not saying oh he shouldn't be lying. This is what executives do, so I don't care personally. But I think that white lie is told for the sake of practicing the white lies. Okay, so for you, for you, Judd Zolgad, when you get mad about sports executives not lying to you in the right way, like what makes this an acceptable lie versus when other times you get mad for yeah, sure. like the way in which an executive good is lying? Good, very good question. First of all, when, when yeah, it, you know what I'm saying, Dave. First of all, first of all, it's definitely a thing with Judd. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes to the draft. It's all lies. You go like, in expecting it. You go to this press conference knowing. There are certain situations where where you're better off getting closer to the truth, and then you, you lie, and especially if you lie poorly, and you're like, what are you doing? That just looks stupid. The draft is nothing but lies. Sports lies. But that lie by Spielman <laughs> okay, there. Okay, Fleetwood Mac. But that, but that lie right there. Batting practice is well put. You it's just, practice. It's just practicing for the sake of practice. So basically, like Charlie Walters and uh, you know and Chris Thomason are just lobbing him soft toss right now. Yeah, exactly. Saying, All right, yep. let, let's try this one. We're working on that. Uh, well, this is about Anthony Barr and, and potentially signing Anthony Barr to a long term extension. We're working on that. Um, we, you know, we're looking. It's it's a process you know, on where the, the money's come in. I know we've tried to plan. I don't know where the you know the next potential guy is. We'll we'll continue to work through that. Usually the trigger point is right before training camp uh, is when we've got a lot of extensions done. So we'll just we'll monitor it. <laughs> we're gonna monitor. <laughs> it's a mon- process. We're gonna monitor. We're monitoring it. But you're not monitoring it. Like no, you're literally you're driving controlling it. it. You're driving it. <laughs> I, I love it. You're driving it. Now I think what he is saying there is. Is when training camp comes, we're going to extend one of perhaps three or four guys, and whoever accepts what we're offering first gets that extension. Okay. I think that's what he means. I think what he means is we've got four, three or four agents we're talking to. We have active offers being percolated right now, 
and whoever says yes gets it. We've lowballed four players on our current roster that we would love to sign team-friendly deals that would help us sign free agents next free agent offseason. And the phones <laughs> rang four times. It's not five, not six, not three. It's it's four times. Yeah. The bat phone is wrong at TCO. Um, offensive, you know, it's funny. Like, the Vikings have gotten to a point where, because they've only drafted three uh, offensive linemen in the first three rounds, right, since 2006? Because like, it's Matt Khalil, Ryan Cook. Ryan <laughs> Cook, yeah. Oh, no, f- uh, f- four. It's four. So the first three rounds? Because uh, last year they drafted Alfline. Uh, so yep. it's, it's four now, but it's only four in, like, 13 years. Yep. They've gotten to the point where ordinarily, if your team drafts an offensive guard in the first round, it's a huge buzzkill because, like, oh, you want the flashy receiver, you want that running back or that quarterback. Well, the Vikings already have all those things, right? they got Kirk Cousins, and they've yeah. got two top... 12-ish wide receivers and Dalvin Cook. So we're to the point now where people are actively rooting for the boring pick, right? You're rooting for a right guard. Because your team is good right now, yeah. and that's going to help your team. Mm-hmm. Which which is why the lie of, uh, and every team tells this lie, but the lie of we will always take the best available player is such nonsense. No, if you're good and you need one position. And by the way, no one is going to rip the Vikings for taking a guard, right? I mean, I don't think anyone's going to say, how could you pass on that guy? So the whole the whole nonsense of we always take the best player available is complete BS. No, in this case, you're going to take someone who's the best player at the position that you need because you're close to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Now, if like, like this would never happen, but if Saquon Barkley for some reason fell to like number 30, which again would never happen. He's going to go in the top five, but and you have Dalvin Cook, and you don't, you like do not need a running back. You would, tr- you would, you would trade back. You'd or select time. him or trade back in some form, and then so like teams yes. would say, "Oh, best player available." Like, of course you'd take Saquon Barkley, but you would, you wouldn't keep him. Like you, you, you would trade him, and then you take an offensive about lineman. QB. Yeah. If if Lamar Jackson's there, and th- two teams come to you and start to bid, guess what? You're not taking Lamar Jackson. You're bailing backwards and taking what you can get. Right. Uh, we're gonna let's dive into some twins talk here. We'll catch up. We're and actually he is in New York watching the debacle that has taken place the last couple days, which reflects what's happened the last decade and a half between Twins and Yankees. And then uh, we'll get back into that Wolves discussion that's taken over most of our show today. Later on, maybe in the noon hour. And I have confirmation here. There's been some Twitter discussions with our friend Randy in Cottage Grove. Randy in Cottage Grove wanted to do his entire mock draft. Like literally a set. Apparently, he has a seven round. He's one of those guys that does all seven rounds yeah. of a mock draft. Yep. And we told him off air that's not going to happen. Like, there's zero chance you're going to come on our show and deliver like a seven round mock draft. But if you want to give us who the Vikings are going to pick in each seven rounds, we're down for that. And he agreed to that. All right. So th- that's actually going to happen later on this hour too. We have been discussing on Twitter with Randy and Cottage Grove, and he will uh, deliver his predictions for Vikings picks later on this hour. Look forward to it. I might light myself on fire really live on the it. radio during that. Segment. Dave's excited too. Um, we'll come back talk to Dan Hayes about Twins Yankees. Luther Brookdale Toyota powers the Touch 'Em All podcast, which you can find new episodes on a regular basis. Uh, you can find those on 1500ESPN.com. But we appreciate Luther Rookdale Toyota and the partnership with 1500ESPN and the partnership with my family going back to the 1980s. And I started driving in like 2001. So, you know, I, I've i driven around. I see all the other dealerships and service departments. You know, I, obviously you have a lot of options. But 
I think once you experience not only the brand new facility, which is uh, only about five years old now, and you experience the customer service and just the durability and all the new bells and whistles on Toyota vehicles, that's the combination of everything you get on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard that will make you lifetime fans of uh, the place that I've been going to for a long time. I recommend hanging out in that Luther Lounge. You, you, maybe you're conflicted. You want to watch uh, the Twins get smoked tonight, but you got to get an oil change. Well, you can watch on a 70-inch flat-screen TV inside Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I, I'm not judging these guys on size or color. I, I just think they were boring and dumb. Well, <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, with the man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. Courtesy of Prime Mortgage Lending of Bloomington. Home is where your story begins. And the pitch is swung on and driven a deep right. It is going to be a fair ball. Another home run for Mr. Gregorius. Yes, indeedy. Diddy Gregorius, make Yankee fans euphorious. All right, Dan Hayes, so uh, at what point do you just officially declare yourself sellers here if you're the Twins? Do you shot Brian Dozier starting today? <laughs> oh, man, it sure seems like that's what everybody wants. I, I think I got one uh, tweet last night. Give up uh, Barrios, give up Sano, give up Dozier, give up Mauer for prospects now. It's like... The uh, the end of the world has come, and the Yankees are bringing it to the Twins. But how? Here's the thing, though, and I obviously I'm uh, tongue in cheek with that first question. But Jason Stark came on our show. He's on, he's a weekly guest on our show too, and he had the numbers going back to like 2002 or three. So the last decade and a half, Twins versus Yankees in playoffs and regular season. And if you ex- it's like thir- the Twins are like 30 and 90 or something. And if you extrapolated to a 162 game season, if the Twins played the Yankees all the time. The Twins would lose 119 games or something absurd, like 120 games in a 162-game season. That's the pace they've played the Yankees at for almost two decades. It's not possible. It's it's insane. And and it's 14 to one and eight to three and eight nothing in home runs. I mean, to do it, you know, if it was close losses, it might be a little different. Um, and instead, it's horrifying losses. So. You go to New York and you want to bring your best and, and you produce your worst, and, man, it makes things look pretty ugly because we're six days removed from a team that was 8-5 and five and had that nice win over the Indians in 16 innings in Puerto Rico, nice comeback after giving up the home run the 14th inning, and yet here they are a week later, and, and it's ugly. And it's funny, this is how baseball works, but um, it, it it's crazy to think that it's the same team as a week ago, and I think it just shows what they're going through right now. I mean, quite a few guys aren't hitting. They miss Byron Buxton. Um, the, the pitching staff can't seem to find an answer. Uh, it, it's been a rough, rough week for sure. And you know, it's funny that on Friday night they they come back from that six to two deficit with the the Rosario grand slam and and the Kepler go ahead home run and Rodney blows it and and here we are uh, at this point because. Who knows what happens if they get that win there? I mean, that's a, a kind of a great comeback win, and instead it's a deflating loss. It's all Zach Duke's foot, Dan. That, that's the entire— <laughs> Duke if, needs bigger if cleats. Duke, if Duke could touch the damn base, this conversation would be entirely different. It, it's just so strange. And, and this is—you you get the sense this is a good team. And it was—you know, it's funny, because 
Last night, talking to Dozier afterwards, we knew who to go to for big picture stuff just because you know who the team leaders are when it comes to the guys are going to be stepping up when it's when it's a rough stretch like this. And and he said something like, uh, sometimes it rains, sometimes you lose five games in a row. And he's like, but we play again tomorrow. And, and uh, it, it's funny that teams have to kind of resort to pushing positivity at times like this. But, you know, I understand why, because they – you can't go in in baseball with a negative mindset or you're dead already. And and I think that they are fighting this really hard and, and they know that they have the makings of a good team and they need to find that team again. And they're going to have to rely on their veterans. Uh, you know, Paul Malter last night switched up the lineup a little bit just to try and get things going, move Max Kepler to the second spot and drop Logan Morrison down and didn't work. CC Sabathia still had them right where he wanted them, just like he always does. And, and so they're back at it again today, and, and they're going to have to do it. And Sonny Gray has not pitched well, but we know Sonny Gray has, uh, you know, been a good pitcher. So we'll, we'll see what they can do tonight. But um, obviously, it doesn't get any easier just based on the the caliber of the pitcher that's out there, even if he isn't performing well. So Dan, in this five game slide, what do you see that that should be of actual concern? Because there's slump in concern. What what should actually uh, fans potentially be concerned about, do you think, from this? I, they got to figure out how to start scoring earlier. I mean, that's the thing. We saw them come back twice in Tampa and show some late offense, but they're just not doing it early on right now, and they haven't strung together. I think they're watching them, and, and again, I know we've talked about disjointed season and how it's all over the place. You know, here they are. They've played five days in a row, and we still haven't seen them with the with the uh, exception of that one eight run inning against Houston put up many crooked numbers and they're not kind of stringing together and it just hasn't had a fluid feel yet to the offense and you know now you're 18 games in and and you need to start seeing that and we saw it in spring and I know it's spring but you still saw really good at bats constructed through the middle and I think that getting Logan Morrison going would be a good thing. Um, I, I talked to him, you know, it's it's now two weeks ago, and I'm going to talk to him again soon, but he said he'd had a first half like this before, a few, but he'd never had a first half like this. And and so they need him to get even to the where he was in his worst first halves, which was about a 650 to a 690 OPS guy, because that guy would be a, a lot more dangerous than the current version that's running out there. And it, so I think he, he'd be a big help. Um Getting Buxton back, it doesn't sound like it's going to be till Friday uh, at the earliest, just because he has some stuff with his toe. On. I think that that's been felt. But you, you look around and Robbie Grubb has been, um, you know, Ryan Lamar has done a really nice job coming in there and is hitting. But there's there's so many guys that aren't hitting right now, um, and and those who are, it's just not doing enough damage individually to to sustain right now. So yeah. I think the offense is probably. The key here, the team on base, I think, is around 300, and they're they're a lot better than that um, overall. They they just need to get that going because once the offense gets, I think that they have plenty of pitching to get by. We saw it last year how good the offense could be in the second half, and uh, it just hasn't been there so far. Uh, Dan Hayes from the Athletic, theathletic.com slash MLB or theathletic.com slash Twins, where you can find his work. So on Byron Buxton, I don't know. I, it was just a little bit puzzling, um, and I'm not a guy who suffers migraines, I'm not trying to minimize migraines, but to pretty much immediately go on the 10-day disabled list with a migraine and, uh, and be out, it, it almost felt like what you would do with 
a player who has concussions. So what what more do we know about the migraine issue? How far back does it go? Do we know a lot more? We don't know a whole lot more just because we haven't had access to him since it happened. Yeah. Um, he was shooed away both days, and and it's it's funny. Like they 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 mentioned last year, he, he felt it. He's had it before. Missed a couple days in Anaheim, so it's it's something that's reoccurring. Um, I think that part of what played into is that they knew immediately they could backdate it three days because they hadn't played in six at that point. So on the DL. They got to keep Ryan Lamar, which they were going to try and figure out how to do anyways after the uh, Puerto Rico series. And so they got to bring him back, and they, they only thought they'd miss Buxton through Tuesday. or uh, Yeah, through Tuesday. I think he was supposed to return as of today. I think today is the 10-day mark. So I think it was a little bit like, all right, he's, he's feeling this. We don't know how long it's going to be. We need the body right now. We can't go without this body. And basically, you're already five days into his DL stint. The Monday they were off before Puerto Rico, and obviously the, the whole White Sox series, except the uh, Thursday game, had been wiped out. Um, so I think they felt comfortable that they could just sneak by. What, what's complicated it is that in his first game back there, and I uh, playing for Fort Myers, he fouled a pitch off his left foot, and, and the details were a little gory yesterday. Not anything. There was something to do with relieving pressure in the toe, and Ugh. they were going to work on. Yeah, oh, they have to drill. I, I hope nobody's been eating right now. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, but they, they had to do that, and oh, so they were going to take a little bit more time with them. So I think one thing turned into another here, but they, they seem like they're going to try to figure out a way to combat migraines. You're right. It's Paul Martyr was joking. He said that he's heard about 20 different recommendations from friends uh, about how to deal with migraines. Nobody really has a, an idea of how to do it, but they just know that this is something that's bothered Bucks in a couple times, and it's something that we need to talk to him about when he gets back. But it doesn't sound like that'll be till he is at home. Yeah. So, all right, I'm going to go back to my first tongue-in-cheek comment about Brian Dozier because I I actually think this is this is going to be a really interesting two-month stretch, and they're off to a rough stretch here in April. But like, if they're when's the drop dead point in your mind? Is it is it not till July where they have to figure out? All right, how good are we, and where do we stand with a Brian Dozier, one of the best players in baseball, contract expiring? He's, you know, he's in his prime, and that's going to be a thing here. I, I thought they would just continue their hot start, and that they would be a for sure playoff team all year. And you know, they have work to do to get to that point. But where, how do you see that timeline here in the next couple months, Dan? I mean, I, I think that they have to play out everything as long as they can, and that includes Lance Lynn, who. Is a free agent after this year. Um, a couple guys, I Joe Maurer will will defer to. I think they'll hang on to him if he's productive. Uh, but I, I think you wait as long as you can, just because the way baseball is made these days. I, you know, the Angels are so thin; they're an injury away from being in some serious trouble. We've already seen Otani slow down as a pitcher. I know he's got a blister. There's so much uncertainty because there's two wild cards um, that that you have to hang around. I mean. Look, this is a team that traded Brandon Kinsler and Jaime Garcia at the deadline last year and somehow still made the playoffs. They were officially waving the flag, and yet they made it. And and so I think that that will be put into serious consideration all along. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think they'd be afraid to move on from these guys if they have to, and that's why they've constructed the team the way they have. It's a lot easily movable players to get to contenders if that was the the way to go. And I really liked that aspect of the way they put together the 
the roster is that they they're flexible. There's still no real long term deals on this this roster. Everybody could be gone and moved if they needed to. But I think that you know the markets don't usually develop until till mid to late July, and so I think that they can afford themselves that time. I mean, it's a rental. It's not like an extra two weeks is going to get you an extra prospect out of it. I if if they did it May one, maybe that would be the case. But you know, I don't think that they can justify putting that payroll out there and then selling it May one and and not expect some serious backlash from fans. Help me out here, Tyler Kinley, R- Rule Five guy, Dan. Uh, I mean, I mean, I get, I get he throws hard. I get he is a good prospect. Uh, but how long for for a team that expects to, expects to contend? How long can you essentially waste a pitching roster spot on him? Because it doesn't seem like uh, for now that he he can be used in any type of uh, situation where it's going to be difficult for him. So is this a good move, or is this sort of uh well, we like him a lot, but I think that there's going to come a point in time where a decision has to be made about him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a little surprised he's still here, only because, look, you're 18 games in, and it feels like the bullpen has been involved heavily in about 14 or 15 of them, and they, they've only had a couple where they've been blown out. Um, even the times where they were down early, they, they've rallied and made a game of it and forced Paul Molitor to go to that bullpen, and 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 when you're going in, I mean, I would even include that with Gabriel Moya until this week, that you have two guys who clearly they weren't ready to trust in critical situations, even in by critical situations, even down two to three runs, they weren't ready to throw them in there and trust them in that. So you're kind of at a shorthanded bullpen, and, and you're looking at a five-man bullpen at that point. And it, it's it's a very tough spot. Um, I we kind of talked to Paul Mulder about that a little bit yesterday, obviously with Tyler Duffy here, they finally, man, they've, they've been desperately needing that guy just with the fact that you can't go to that seventh guy in the bullpen. So you wonder when they would possibly pull the plug on it. Um, there's really good stuff there. He's not quite ready to trust it. We've seen that the other day uh, said that the other day was probably one of the roughest parts for, for Kinley all season. He got ahead with two good fastballs and then, tried to trick hitters and gotten some bad counts and then all of a sudden Didi Gregorius hits another home run and and Kinley gives up a grand slam and and it's a tough spot I mean it's just you've got a guy who's not really quite a kid he's 27 and still trying to figure it out and that's hard to do when you want to contend and when you're playing in 85 90 percent of your games where you really need your bullpen because your offense is proven that it can come back if it's within a within a reasonable uh, amount and and so it's going to be harder and harder for them to hold on to them uh, to him unless they you know start getting ahead early and that was why it was kind of encouraging to see them take an early lead yesterday and and then uh the bottom dropped out because this this team just offensively is not where it should be and and it exposes some of the other issues like that right there. And, you know, maybe if they were scoring a lot of runs, you could hide Kinley, but not at this point. Yeah. Uh, let's goal number one hold the Yankees to seven runs or fewer tonight. Like, just make some progress. Seven runs or fewer. Dan Hayes, great stuff, man. We'll talk next week. See you, Dan. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks. All right, that's Dan Hayes from The Athletic, theathletic.com slash twins. Real quick, uh, Jake DePew covers the twins. He's he, he writes a lot of minor league stuff for us. He's actually covered the twins yeah. on the road a couple times for us, including in Tampa for 1500 ESPN. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he said that they, they actually they had access to Buxton in Tampa. It's possible Dan wasn't on that road trip. He's in the Bronx right now. All right. And Buxton said this is one of the worst migraines he's had 
and was still suffering symptoms four days later. Said usually he can get through it, but not this time. He got medication when he was in Tampa, which said uh, helped out. But he was still in rough shape, improving, but in rough shape. May or may not be concussion related, but it was clear this was a serious thing and not just something to get him at bats in the minors and to get him right offensively. So. Good stuff there. Interesting. All right, Judd, fire away uh, prime mortgage lending. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, and if, if you are out there trying to find a mortgage company, let me suggest my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough. And I'm going to tell you right now, this isn't about simply selling you on something, folks. Prime wants to earn your trust first. In fact, they would rather earn your trust than sell you alone. I said that correct. They would rather earn your trust than sell you alone. And you're saying now, what does that mean exactly? It means that while Prime would love to have you as a client, they want to meet with you first. They want to sit down. They want to explain their plan, and then the decision is up to you. This is about a couple key words uh, for Kent and Prime, and this is both internal at Prime and with, with you as you sit down and talk to them. And those words are teamwork and collaboration. It's what Prime is all about. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance, Prime wants to take some of the mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing cost, not just include them in your loan, but actually pay them for you? Once again, when it comes to Prime, when it comes to Kent, this is about teamwork and collaboration. Here's the website you want to go to, goprimewithkent.com, goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T.com. More Mackie and Judd after this. Hang on. Phil Mackey. That little uh, dweeby-looking kid. Judd Zolgad. He needs a cocktail in a hot tub or something. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. You'll never be alone, even when Calling all Loons fans. The 1500 ESPN promo team will be on the Tribal Nations Plaza, TCF Bank Stadium, this Saturday for Minnesota United pre-match party. Find us before the 7 p.m. kickoff for your chance to win prizes. Before United takes on Houston, for more details and tickets, head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. You know, everybody in the mock world and the experts out there are saying it's O-line, O-line, O-line. But when you look at your roster, you have to look at, okay, where are some other holes that you're going to have to fill? And if you look at, you know, that's why I'm looking at the 2019 roster as well. Guys who are not under contract. Uh, what if there's a significant player that's there at 30 that could potentially fill a need? You know, may have a role this year, but definitely fill a need in the future. I want to mock! Mock! I want to mock! Mock! All right, gentlemen. It's peak mock season right now. Let's bring in Randy from Cottage Grove. Randy? Okay. Hi, Randy. This is your now. Now, Randy, I think we've negotiated here. Randy initially wanted to deliver his entire seven-round mock draft, and while Randy, we appreciate the work you put in, we just don't have that kind of time on our show. But we would love it if you would tell us who the Vikings are going to pick in each of their seven rounds. Okay, yeah, I'm going to get right right down to it here. Okay, uh, and I'm going to just so all you know, I ain't going to assume any trades. I ain't going to assume any funny business. This is just if we draft straight. Just the way it is. If there's a trade, I can't be held responsible for how these turn out, okay? That's fair enough. Go. All right. Uh, round one, we're going to have a little bit of a surprise pick. Can I get the music? What what music do you want? The, the, yeah, there you go. That that stuff. Okay. Oh, round one, sorry. we're going to have a little bit of a surprise pick. This is going to be Mike Hughes, uh, the cornerback out of UCF. Man, I love this kid. You know, he got into a bit of a scuffle at a frat party. We all have, you know. Who, who here hasn't gotten into a little fight at a party here and there? Uh, well, Judd he has. Yeah, going to be the surprise pick in round one, okay? You can mark that down. Uh, round two, 
Uh, <coughs> here you go with another surprise. You think Zim was pissed off about Kirk Cousins? Well, it's going to feel a little better after we go defense, defense. We're going to go Maurice Hurst from Michigan. Oh, I love this kid. He's Sheldon Richardson's replacement and waiting, if you ask me. And just a really kick-ass pick there at 62. So Maurice Hurst, defensive tackle, 62. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to go round three, and everybody says, well, you got to go offensive line. Yeah, we're going to do that, finally. We're going to get that done in round three. Will Clapp out of LSU. Love Will Clapp. He's versatile. You can slide him around the line a little bit. Really like that pick there in round three. Of course, round four, no picks at the moment. But, you know, I think Rick might get back in there. If he doesn't, we're going to go down all the way down to round five now. And this is a kid who I love. I would take him as high as the fourth round. This is Kiki Cootie, the sneaky wideout uh, Big-time wideout from Texas Tech. I really like this kid. He's got wheels. He's got a bubble, as they say. And he can take a hit and keep on running. Kiki Cootie. Watch for him in round five. Okay. And round six, we got three picks right now. And that is the kind of round that just gets me going because there's all kinds of possibilities. Right now, first pick there in round six, I think we're going to go Joel Lanning, linebacker from Iowa State. Got to get some fresh blood in there, linebacker, especially if we might part ways with Barr. Um, so I like Joel Lanning, Iowa State, 213. We're going to go offensive line again. Jamar McGloster from Syracuse. I know I'm, I'm a big McGloster guy. A lot of people down on him. I think he's going to be a solid pro. Versatile, for sure. Bit of a project. And then uh, another project here at 218, Christian Campbell, okay, from Penn State. You guys know Christian Campbell, the oh, corner. Yeah, yeah. What I like about Christian Campbell is he's got a lot of upside. He's raw, you know, but Zim can coach corners. So Christian Campbell makes a lot of sense there at that third pick in the sixth round. And then finally at 225, I think we're going to wrap it up with another lineman, another project lineman, but this kid is big. Coleman Shelton from Washington, welcome to Minnesota. You're going to be a great pick and a great pro. And Rick, kudos on a kick-ass draft. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. Wow. So there it is. So, uh, so Randy, are you are you sure about are are you sure about defense in? Wait a second. Yeah. Yeah, Randy hung right up. I got bad news for you. I want. He said I wanted to ask at least a couple follow up questions there. No, he, he said he hung up. It sounds he like. said Rick's going to have a kick ass draft, and he hung up, and that was it. You know, I think he's, he's onto something with this Will Clap in the third round. I've heard a lot of good things about Will Clap. Yep, that was actually really competent. I mm-hmm. thought. I really thought, actually, that he might go with Billy Price in the first round. I thought Billy Price was uh, really was the guy in the first round. Billy Price, you yeah, said. Billy Price, Dave. See, I'm thinking they're going to actually trade back to get Billy Price. Hope to catch a falling price. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. mock. <laughs> now, Judd, are you aware of his <laughs> hockey background? No, I have no idea. Really? You no, I didn't know. I played oh, that. I figured you'd be in the hockey guy. No, you would know. No, I did have no. Oh gosh, he has two no brothers. Clue. They played hockey all. I mean, their whole lives. Pee wee all the way up through high school. Sure. And they're pretty darn good. They played on the same line. Yeah. Uh, and became time to move on to college. And he was thinking hockey, football, hockey, football. Turns out the decision was pretty easy because he didn't actually get a hockey scholarship from any uh, any big school. Uh huh. You know the problem? No. What? Well, he and his brother was carried a bit of a reputation. Little dirty, little uh, cheap Ooh, playing. Not good, yeah. Let's just say they were thought of as slashing prices. I want to mock, mock. I want to mock, mock. <laughs> that 
look on your face. I wish people could see it. How proud you are right now. How long did that one take? Oh, it took a nice long time, but I got you. You want some, Should we come back and just do that for an hour? Oh. No? I'd pay the price. I, if we could, sure, why not? Dave, do you have any non-Billy Price-related questions for us? I do not. Okay.